You know, uh, Christmas uh, is actually just around the corner, and uh, it is the celebration of the first advent, the first coming uh, of the Savior to the world. But as believers, we of course celebrate the birth of Jesus at Christmas time, but don't we also eagerly await what we call the second advent, the return of Christ? And uh, that's what we're going to talk about that this morning as well. But when we talk about hope, we cannot uh, leave out the anticipation that we have as believers for his second advent, his return, right? His return for us. And so we believe in what we call the rapture when he comes back for his church to reclaim us and bring us back to him. And then he will uh, finish all that he has set out to do on this earth, and then Christ will return to this earth, we believe, to set up his kingdom, and that's called the second advent, his actual return to earth. Because if he came to earth the first time, does it not make sense that he would return again to the earth the second time to come back and uh, finish what he began? And uh, we know that Scripture also says that we as believers, already being with him, will come to rule and to reign with him. I look forward to that. Doesn't that sound good? Right? You, you grew up always kind of wanting to be a king or queen or prince or princess, and so that'll be your chance, right? And so we look forward to that. But uh, more than anything, this Advent season it, it is a time leading up to Christmas about waiting. It's really, Advent means coming, and so arrival. And so we remember the first Advent of Jesus, the first arrival. We celebrate that at Christmas, the birth of Jesus Christ. But really this season leading up to Christmas is about waiting. It's about anticipation. See, that's the whole idea. It's anticipating Christmas. I mean, so much of our lives, if you think about it, so much of our lives is, is based on anticipating. Do you ever think about that? We're kind of always waiting. We're always waiting for what's next. I mean, again, as, as I said, as Christians, we're awaiting the return of Jesus. That's our blessed hope, but just in everyday life, we anticipate things, right? Like a a large part of our life is centered on this idea of anticipating. Many of uh, of life's uh, major events are built on um, anticipating, and it it brings us a lot of joy, um, you know, being built on the fact that we we have time to look forward to that, anticipate that, maybe when you were younger, you're anticipating getting your license, your driver's license, or anticipating getting your your first car, right? Um, maybe uh, today it's a much-needed vacation and something you've been planning for a long time and you anticipate that. I remember as a kid, a few times my parents took uh, me and my brother to Disney World. You ever been to Disney World? And I just remember waiting all year for that and anticipating and the planning, right? My mom was a planner and she'd plan out what we were going to do every moment of the day, and it just sounds so excited, you know, exciting what we were going to do, a great anticipation. Maybe you're anticipating the start of a new job or maybe a new season in your life regarding work, and and uh, you're looking forward to that. And uh, for whatever the, the old job was like, you're looking forward to the start of something new, a new new job, a new employer. Maybe it's a long-planned wedding, you know, uh, or a big family event. This past year, my oldest daughter got married, and I've shared about that, and and we were anticipating it and uh, looking forward to it for a long time. And um, perhaps it's the birth of a child. Maybe you're anticipating the birth 
uh, of a baby, and it's something, of course, we all can understand and relate to, looking forward to that new life and how it might change our lives. And how about Christmas morning? Do you remember when you were a kid? Think back a long, long time ago when you were a kid, right? And uh, you, how you anticipated Christmas morning. You know, I especially remember just uh, growing up with me and my brother and and uh, every Christmas Eve, I would put a, um, a mattress or a sleeping bag on the floor in his room, and I would lay there, and, and we would just talk about what next the next morning was going to look like, anticipating the presents that we were hoping to get that, you know, that we put on our list, and what is it going to look like the next morning? And I remember vividly, we all have memories, right, some kind of Christmas memory. I just remember, like it was yesterday, just every year laying on the floor in my brother's room, just staring up at the ceiling just picture what a ceiling looked like you know and not being able to get to sleep because you just lay in there wide-eyed thinking about the next morning you just lay in there like man maybe if i don't sleep maybe he'll come sooner you know and i get my presents sooner all of that and you're just laying there but why why couldn't i get to sleep because i was anticipating what was going to happen the next morning right and it was so exciting and i'm sure you all have um you have uh, memories of what Christmas morning looked like. But, you know, all of these things in life that we anticipate, they grow in value and importance because of the hours we spend looking forward to them. Just think about something that you are anticipating right now, something you're looking forward to uh, in your life right now. Maybe it's an upcoming birthday, or like I said, maybe a, a new job, the birth of a child. For some of you, maybe you're just anticipating the end of 2020. And you're looking for, you know, forward to a brand new year, a fresh start, whatever it might be. You know, last night, um, we were putting up our Christmas tree. Any of you put up your, your Christmas decorations the weekend of Thanksgiving? We, it's a tradition. We always do that. And we got to go and, uh, and chop down our own tree yesterday. And we came and brought it home and did some decorating. We always like to put a Christmas movie on, uh, while we're doing that. And so I found the Christmas story. Remember that one with little Ralphie? And, and what is it that he wanted for Christmas? He wanted that uh, that rifle, right? He wanted that that um, red rifle BB gun, and he was so excited about it. The opening of that movie, he said the narrator, who's playing an, an older Ralphie, says that, that all the kids were anticipating Christmas because Christmas morning is the center of a kid's universe, is how he described it. You know, and um, uh, all he wanted was that that BB gun, and, and, and the whole story was revolved around him getting that, right? And um, it was fun to just have that on, but just another reminder of uh, anticipation that Christmas brings. Well, the first Sunday of Advent this morning is all about expectation, and it is about hope, because hope is intertwined with expectation, isn't it? That's what we're going to see this morning. Hope is about looking forward, anticipating something that is coming. If you remember, we had a, a theme for this year, and um, you know it is our theme at least for a few more weeks, and it was a clear vision of hope for 2020. And I mentioned that on Wednesday night uh, at our Thanksgiving service, and somebody yelled out and, you know, and said maybe for next year it should be just a clearer vision of hope, right? Because I don't know how we how well we did, but I think that... We need hope now more than ever. And so, yeah, maybe we carry the theme next year. It's a clear vision of hope. But regardless, that was our our theme this year, 
right? To, to try to just be reminded that there is hope and that, that because of Christ, we can have a clear vision of it because everybody hopes for something, right? Everybody hopes for something. And, and everybody in the world, every person that you meet each and every day is hoping. They are looking forward to something, whether they realize it or not. But see, what we have is hope in the truth. We have something that is absolute and true. It is not fleeting, but it is true. And, and that is a huge part of the even defining what hope is. But we had our verse for this year and from 1 Peter 3.15. Um, and just as a reminder of what that verse says, right, that we are to set Christ apart. In your, in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord is holy, always being prepared to do what? To make a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that is in you, but to do it with gentleness and respect. So our verse for this year was to do two things. Set Christ apart in your hearts as Lord. It means being a disciple, but then always being ready to give an account for that hope. Are you ready to do that? If somebody were to ask you today, what what are you hopeful for? What is it that you're looking forward to? Why do you have a joy in your heart? Why are you so so thankful all the time? Why why is that? Tell me about that. And, and what does Peter say that we should always be ready to ask uh, to give an answer to anyone who asks about that hope, about the hope that is in you? Some versions say the hope you possess. So first, if we're going to talk about hope being the first theme of our Advent series this year, first we have to define it, right? Isn't it important now more than ever to, to define words that we use in a conversation? And so what is hope? Well, we hope for a lot of things in life. And unfortunately, like many other words, what has happened is the word hope has taken on a different meaning than what it says in Scripture. You know, we talk about hope. And what kind of comes to mind? Wishful thinking, right? Man, I hope my team, you know, wins it all this year. Man, I, I hope, you know, that this happens or that happens. It's it's kind of taken on the meaning of a wishful thinking. Like, well, I don't know. It could happen. It could not happen. There's a, a seed of doubt there. Maybe it will. That's how people generally use the word hope these days. But, you know, church, that is not how the Bible defines it. And so we as believers need to define our terms through the scriptures. Remember a few weeks ago we talked about building a biblical worldview? Remember that? That everything that we see in this world, that how we, we view and perceive and navigate life, all of that has to come through the filter of scripture. So what does hope really mean biblically? It simply means this, a confident expectation. If this is a season of anticipation an expectation. The Bible says that hope is defined as having a confident expectation. Not a wishful thinking like it may or may not happen. But a biblical hope is based on an absolute truth that something will happen because God promised it would. We say amen to that? See, that is the believer's hope. We don't look at the scripture and then go through life with a wishful thinking. When we say we have hope in Christ, it means that we hope because He was promised. God promised He would send the Messiah, and He did. We celebrate that as, at Christmas. He promised that He would come back to life after dying on the cross, and He did. And He promised the disciples and us that He would one day return for us, and we believe that He will. 
See, it's a promise. And so we hope for that. Not a wishful thinking, but we have a confident expectation. That's really important. That is a biblical hope. That is a Christian's hope. It is a confident expectation. Not as the world might define it. Define it because hope in our life, hope in this society, in our world, has become diluted. The definition of hope, the understanding of hope, it has become diluted. And, and church, don't fall into that because a biblical hope is a confident expectation. Based on the promises of God, it's filled with security and assurance. It's not a probability, but an eventuality, an inevitability. See the big difference? There's a huge, there's a world of difference. And so we define it biblically. So, faith and hope. Two big words in scripture. Faith and hope are interconnected. But look, here's the difference. Faith is rooted in the past, based upon a past event, believing in what has already happened, the, the death and resurrection of Christ, the promises, faith in that it has happened, and hope looks to the future and what will be. So if faith is based on the truth of what did happen, hope is then connected to that, based on that faith, but it looks forward. See the difference? So we need both. So faith is in what Christ did for us already. Hope is for what He is going to do. Okay, hope is built on faith. Hebrews 11.1, 1, what does it say? We're going to have a lot of scripture this morning. If you, you know, if you have your own, your own Bible, um, look through it. You can make notes if you don't want to turn to it, but they'll be up on the screen as well. Uh, Hebrews 11.1, 1, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. See that? It's got faith and hope in there. Faith is built on an assurance of things hoped for. It, it's already, ha- you know, we have faith in what Christ did, but it's, it then gives us the ability to have hope and look to the future because we have a foundation for it. Alright? So, let us then quickly, through a series of scriptures, define hope biblically. Okay? So there's going to be a lot of scriptures here, um, and that's what we like to do, open the Word of God, right? And we're going to see how the Bible defines hope, the most important thing that we can do together this morning. So, the New Testament, uh, in the New Testament, hope is the fulfillment of Old Testament promises in Christ. Again, it is the fulfillment of promises. Make sense? Advent, the first coming of Jesus Christ, we celebrate at Christmas the birth of Jesus, right? Was the fulfillment of promises made long ago. But look at what it says in the New Testament, Matthew 12, 21. Yeah, and in His name the Gentiles will have hope. See? Jesus coming through uh, the nation of Israel gives even the Gentiles hope. So in his name, meaning the name of Jesus, we as non-Jews will have hope. Okay, so there is the anticipation. First Peter 1 Peter 1.3 Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us, watch us now, to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. We were just singing about living hope, weren't we? See what it says right here? Let's not miss it. Born again, living hope, resurrection. They're not talking about life. All three of those phrases talk about life. So the hope for us is that there is life, life in Christ, that we can be born again spiritually 
to not a dead hope, but a living hope. Because why? Because Christ rose from the dead. See how it's all connected? We have hope in the future because of the promises made in the past. And Jesus promised he would come back to life, and he did. And so our hope is is based on that truth that he is alive today, and because of that, he is coming back. He is coming back for us. Because he came back to life, we have life. That's what our hope is based on. A Christian's hope is rooted in faith, as I mentioned before, in salvation in Christ, Galatians 5, five. For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. It's talking about when Christ returns, we receive our glorified bodies, we are made complete in our righteousness. Right? That's what it's what Paul's saying in Galatians 5 5. We eagerly await. There's that anticipation for the hope of righteousness. It's what we are looking forward to. How about Romans 8? The redemption of our body, as I just mentioned. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, talking about us believers, we groan inwardly as we wait eagerly. There's those words again, waiting eagerly. For adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. See that? We were saved into a living hope. Do you get the picture? We are defining hope biblically, and it's all based on Jesus Christ. What He did, and what He promises He will do in the future. And for us, that is return. We know that as the blessed hope of the church. He is coming to make all things new. To bring to completion his plan but it says in this hope we were saved again paul uses those words wait eagerly or eagerly wait do you think paul was eagerly awaiting the return of christ being in prison being oppressed his voice being suppressed paul was eagerly awaiting the return of his lord colossians 127 how about just Uh, eagerly awaiting eternal glory to them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. A mystery being something that was not revealed, but is now revealed. A truth that was once hidden that is now revealed. And see, the church is that. The church, together as believers, a truth that was revealed... Concealed in the Old Testament, now revealed. Paul calls it a mystery. But he says, it's the hope of glory. We hope for glory. A few more. Titus 3, 4, 7. I'll read these quickly. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us. Not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior. And here it comes. Verse 7, So that being justified by His grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. See all the blessing and riches we have because of this blessed hope? How about Titus 2, a chapter earlier? For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, 
in godly lives now in this present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's where it comes from, that term, our blessed hope. See, what is he saying? Right, The author of Titus there is saying, right now we are to live holy lives, pleasing to God, right, putting sin aside, doing that now, and we do it with a view to the future, a clear vision of hope because of what Christ has done. So really, no matter what's going on in our lives and our world, we can have a very clear vision of hope because of how we define it biblically. And it's all based on the truth of Christ. Right? Um, 1 John 3. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him, because well, we shall see Him as He is. And everyone who thus hopes in Him purifies himself as he is pure. We're hoping in Christ. Two more. First Timothy 4. For to this end we toil and strive, because we have our hope set on the living God, who is the Savior of all people, especially of those who believe. John 3.16 said that Christ died for the whole world, right? God loved the whole world. In First Timothy 1, the way that Paul opens the book of First Timothy. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by command of God our Savior and of Christ Jesus our hope. How about we just say, what is our hope? Jesus Christ. He is our hope, right? Jesus Christ himself is our hope. That's how Paul started that letter. He said, my hope is built on nothing other than Jesus Christ. So we have an understanding of biblical hope. I want to go back to the, uh, our theme statement uh, of, for 2020, as I mentioned earlier. A clear vision of hope. Right? It's very important, this connection here between hope and vision. Right? A clear vision of hope. Hope and vision have a, follow me here, a very clear connection. If hope is a look to the future, a confident expectation, then there must be a way, a means by which that future is illuminated. If we say we can see into the future because of what God has done, He's revealed it to us, then in some way it's been illuminated to us. You follow me? You walk into a dark room and you turn the light on, right? The light illuminates what was already there, but it was hidden in the darkness. Or you shine a flashlight and you're walking through the woods, you shine a flashlight, you can see, right, in, in the steps in front of you because the light has shown into it. You now have a clear vision. You walk into a dark space, you don't have a clear vision at all. You turn the light on, ah, now you can see. Simple, right? But that's what we're seeing here. If we have a hope to the future, it is only because it has been revealed to us. Right? It's not a wishful thinking like maybe it'll happen. Cross my fingers, right? It is because, listen, this is so important as we define biblical hope. God has revealed it to us. It's, it's not a mystery. Jesus Christ said he would do what he was going to do. He did it. He said he's coming back, so we look forward to that. He is our hope. And so that means that somehow the future has been illuminated to us, and it is through the Word of God. So how can we have hope? A light must shine to expose and reveal the future. In the Scriptures, there is a foundational contrast between light and dark. In darkness, there is no hope. You cannot see. When there is light, there is hope. Simple enough, right? But so profound. 
In darkness there is no hope. When there is light, there is hope. Look at what it says in Isaiah 9, verse 2. A very familiar verse, especially during the Advent season. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. Can you just look at that verse for a moment? Just just reflect on that. You've probably read it before or maybe just heard it. But look at what it is telling us. This is the prophet Isaiah. He is prophesying about a future event. And he's saying the people, it was his people during the time he lived, church, he's writing what he is experiencing. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. And those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them a light has shone. Do you see the contrast? Not only between light and dark, but look at this. What kind of light is it? A great light. What kind of darkness? A deep darkness. See what Isaiah is saying? They were words of hope for a people long ago. Isaiah was a prophet to the northern kingdoms of Israel. They had been um, taken into bondage by Assyria. And it was a very dark time because of the rebellion against God that he had allowed them to be taken into exile. The great city of Jerusalem was in ruins. The temple, the center of their life and worship was destroyed. They were being oppressed and facing a hopeless future away from home, a far away from their home, a home they thought they would never see again. And it's at this time, what does Isaiah say? A deep darkness that Isaiah writes these words. Can you imagine? Think about the deepest, darkest time in your life. Could you write words of such great hope that God says they are in such a deep darkness? Isaiah, I'm going to give you these words of hope to speak to the people because that's when they need it. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. It was in the center of the darkest time that Isaiah wrote these words full of hope that we read every year. It was a dark winter in Israel's history. I mean, it can be a little depressing these days that it gets darker so early, right? I mean, it's like 5 o'clock and it's pitch black. And you're like, what? I didn't even eat dinner yet and it's dark out. But isn't it funny? I was thinking of this this morning. Every year it's the same thing, right? It's not like it's new. But somehow it affects us every year. I feel like for me, I'm like, man, I can't believe it. Well, it's been the same way for 50 years, right? But somehow you're just like, it still hits you. Maybe you're still used to the summer when it's light out till 8.30, 9 o'clock, and you love it, right? It just has a more of a sense of, of life and activity and warmth and all that. And now it's just like 5 o'clock, it's dark, and you're like, I'm going to go to bed, Right? Because it feels like it's time for bed. And, and um, you know, there's something about the cold and the dark. And, it can, and for some of us, say, hey, for some of us, the reality is it can add to some sadness we might already be, um, you know, that we might already be um, going through. But it's in those times of the deepest darkness, of sadness and despair, when we can meet Jesus. It was in the deepest, darkest winter of Israel's history to that point that Israel, that um, Isaiah speaks words of hope to bring a bit of warmth and encouragement and anticipation. 
Hope is found where light shines in the darkness, church. And the most significant promises of the coming Messiah to the people of Israel were given during the darkest hours of its history. It's said that the darkness is greatest before the dawn. There was a deep darkness, but there was a great light. A greater light than the deepest darkness, not just any light. He was talking about the revelation of the coming Messiah. God revealing Himself to us in the baby of Jesus Christ. The, the, The baby who is a visible sign, the incarnation of God Himself in Jesus Christ taking on human flesh in the form of that beautiful baby lying in the manger. See, light is a visible sign. Light dispels the darkness. When all seems lost, even when the darkness is closing in, there is a light that never goes out. It is the light of Christ. See, light, we need light to have a vision, don't we? We need light to have that vision of hope. And Isaiah was giving a light, shining a light, for the people of Israel in a dark, dark time. Scripture says, without a vision, the people will perish. Right? But that light overcomes the shadows. It overcomes the darkness. Light turns our eyes heavenward. That's why there is this this connection between light and hope. That we no longer have to wander and wonder, walking in darkness, stumbling, directionless in despair. But we can turn our eyes on Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, even as the wise men did, looking forward to anticipating his coming. We do that, the things of this earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and his grace. There's anticipation of the arrival of the promised Messiah. So we anticipate, uh, we celebrate that he came, we anticipate his return. Church, where do you place your hope? Is it in other people and relationships? Is it in finances? Maybe it's in your children and your health? Just the things that this world can offer? Christ is the only hope for this world. And we are to always hope in God's promises. In John 1, the beginning of the Gospel of John. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him. And without Him, nothing that has made was made. And in Him was life, verse 4, and the life was the light of men. See that in verse 5? The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. See that? Christ is the light shining in that darkness, the light that Isaiah prophesied about in chapter 9, verse 2, and the darkness has not overcome it. But here's another thing too, church. Sometimes, sometimes, God will allow us to wander in the darkness so we can then see the light. What does that maybe look like in your life? Maybe it's happening now. Maybe you can think about it in the past. When it seemed like God was allowing you to wander in the darkness, but he was shining the light of hope if you were willing to look and to see. So for some of us, it's depression. For some of us, it's a deep sadness. For some of us, it's a struggle with frustration, with anger. It can be a dark place. 
that it's in those darkest of places that we meet Jesus Christ, the light of the world, who shines in the darkness. And the hope and the promise, church, listen, is this, that the darkness cannot overcome the light. The darkness cannot overcome the light. Hope is a joyful expectation about tomorrow in spite of today. What is ahead of me is worth moving towards. Because with God there is always hope. But why can we have this hope? Because God is present now and is also the light at the end of the tunnel. Right? The church, that's us, is to be the city on a hill. Salt and light. Reflecting the light of Jesus. As the church, we are now the people of hope. To bring this this hope found only in Christ to a dark and hopeless world. You know, it's been said that a little bit of light, a little bit of light can illumine a dark room. But a little bit of darkness cannot overcome a well-lit room. See that? You can bring a little bit of light, a ray of sunshine into a darkened room, and you'll be able to see. But you can't bring a little bit of darkness into a light, a light-filled room. So is your life, is your heart lit up by the love and the hope of Jesus Christ? And darkness has no place. Our enemy will try to bring in the darkness. He will cast shadows. Are we going to walk in those shadows? Are we going to walk in the light as he is in the light? Because we have hope because there is light. See, in darkness there is no hope, but with light there is always hope. John 8, 12 says this. Again, Jesus spoke to them. These are the words of Jesus. And what did he say? He said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Are those not words filled with hope? For the season of Advent, our first Sunday, our first word is hope. There is hope because Jesus is the light. Church, we are to walk in the light of Christ, to have hope in Him, because He is the light the world needs. Advent is the celebration of His first coming, the light shining in the darkness, as Isaiah says. But we get to hope because He is coming again. That's our blessed hope. But the world needs to know that light, to know the promise of life, and to know that there is hope. The winter may be darker for some of us than others, but remember the light in your life, the light that brings you hope as you celebrate the birth of Messiah this Christmas season shine the light of Christ into the lives of others remember you can bring a little bit of darkness into a room full of light you can try but it doesn't work but you can bring a little bit of light into a dark place why don't we be a little bit of light in the darkness of people's lives. We can be the ones bringing hope to others who need it as we shine the light of Christ. And if you're with us this morning and you have not yet believed in the light, you have not yet believed in the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation, 
now is the time. The Christmas season, it's a perfect time. This morning, right now, is the best time. We've talked about hope and light. We all understand what it means to have a little darkness. But Jesus Christ is the light that shines in the darkness. And the darkness cannot overcome it. Anything else the world offers, the darkness cannot overcome it. But there is only true hope and true light in the Lord Jesus Christ. For the word tells us that we are saved by grace through faith. That it is by grace alone, meaning God did it all for you. By faith alone, that we receive it not by doing good works, by just reaching out by faith and believing and accepting that gift that he gives to us. And that it is found only in Christ and no one else. That is the salvation for believers. And then our hope is that he lives in us and that he will one day come back for us. So church, let's be the light in people's lives. Let's be that little ray of light and hope into the darkness of people's lives during this season.